0: They lost Carson Wentz, although, is it a loss? Question mark. <laughs> so, welcome to the California One Stop Shop for news, views, and over your actions to all things NFL. This week, it's the AFC South. By a distance, the best division in football. <laughs> we've got uh, Connor here, we've got Ronan. Hello. And we got Sean. Uh, How are we getting on, guys?
1: How's all down in Cork?
2: Not too bad. Been watching the, uh, the NBA Finals. I've been enjoying those. It's a good series, Warriors and the Celtics.
1: Yeah, as for myself, I've been spending some time up in Cavan and some family stuff. But I did manage to catch a couple of films. I saw. The new Top Gun, which is great. I don't know, Connor if you've seen it, but you definitely see it.
0: I haven't seen Um, it yet, no, no, it's on the list. I've I've, I've been bad since we got the dog. I haven't gotten out to the cinema a huge amount, so. I've got an arm-length list of films. Like, I haven't seen everything everywhere all at once, and I haven't seen the bizarre Nick Cage playing himself film or any of those ones. I've I've got loads of films to catch up on.
1: Just Top Gun. It's not pretending to be, like, a modern film. It's just like, hey, Top Gun, but, you know, 40 years later. Yeah, good, solid, traditional action type of film. I also saw on Colleen Kuhn, which was very... I've important. heard that's
0: meant to be brilliant, yeah.
1: Yeah, it was very good. And if you're from rural Ireland, it'll, like, a lot of it will be kind of familiar. Um, or I suppose if you're from rural Ireland up in Cabin, which was about 20 years behind, so the fact this film is like 40 years ago, it's fine. You can basically get the same vibe. <laughs> <laughs>
0: very good. It's set in
2: modern-day Cabin, yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: oh, excellent. Excellent. Yeah, no, nothing too wild or crazy here. Coming out of a busy period in work, not been doing a wild oh, pile outside of that. Yeah, no, that's a that's about it really. I also need to get out and cut the grass. I managed to cut two thirds of it, <laughs> so I've got a two thirds of the grass cut and one third of the garden is now getting massively overgrown. So I'll need to need to sort that. I will say, I may be already regretting the decision to get a manual lawnmower instead of a <laughs> one that has an engine in it. It was not fun. But yeah, I suppose we'll fly in and have a look at some of the news. Okay, let's have a look at some transactions. So uh, the Rams decided, do you know what, this Aaron Donald fella, he's quite a good player, we should pay him. So it's a three-year, $95 million restructure. It makes him the highest paid non-quarterback in the league, and rightly so. He then has a break clause in the contract where he can either retire or return to the team for another $35 million guaranteed, I think, in the third year. Yeah, it just seems to be good business. And they also extend Cooper Cup three years, 80 million if he continues the kind of pace that he was on last year. So that's practically a bargain. I don't know where they keep finding the money. They have some cap wizardry going on here, but the Rams continuing to pay their superstars and are hoping to kind of run it back, I suppose.
2: Probably the two most important pieces. I mean, you can make an argument for Stafford being one of the most important piece, pieces. But, but, sure, but important sure, they, they extended the him more. earlier in the offseason already. So. It's true, it's true, it's true. I mean, taking care of the offence and defensive side to, to keep it going again. And obviously, you would talk about players being the standout players for the Rams, certainly in the, in the crunch times. I mean, we remember the cup touchdown that put them ahead in the Super Bowl and Aaron Donald sack which ended up winning them the game at the very end so yeah so big big statement signings by the Rams and they'll certainly I think be there thereabouts come next February. Mm. Pittsburgh have sent
0: Senate safety Minka Fitzpatrick four years 74 million big bucks but he's been a very good player for them since they it was the Dolphins they traded for him from wasn't it?
1: Yeah, they traded a first-round pick for him, but in retrospect, that seems like a bargain overall because he's been a really, really good playmaker for them, uh, for the Steelers, making multiple interceptions per season and just generally being a, a menace on the back end. And I think he's been particularly important because they haven't necessarily had the greatest people around them in the secondary, both at the other safety position. Edmonds has kind of been a bit of a disappointment and at cornerback, they've kind of been putting out mostly just kind of guys. So he's really been a fine for them and alongside TJ Watt, and, and the defensive line, he's a key part of making that a really good defense. big thing for this is it's a big step up for the safety market. So I expect guys like Derwin James to be going to their agent and, and bumping up their number by a couple of million because of this. But guy who's definitely worth it based on his play.
0: And the Va- Vegas Raiders have also extended wide receiver Hunter Renfro, a two-year $32 million contract. That's pretty good money for Renfro, who, you know, he's, he's a decent player. He's one that flies under the radar quite a bit. But obviously the Raiders are happy with him. They like how he works with the pick up in Adams as well. So presumably this is just, they're saying, look, we'll lock down the next two years of cars wide receivers for them.
2: I would rate him as probably they're currently their currently, their most useful receiver, maybe not their best, but he's certainly, he's the he's a third down guy that they go to an awful lot. Mm-hmm. Um, he's just off a Pro Bowl year. I mean, it's, as a statement of the Raiders are here to fight big time, it's definitely important to keep the big pieces and he is a big piece, yeah. He's
1: getting paid less than like someone like Christian Kirk, so it's not that bad of a deal overall. Yeah.
2: He's <laughs> at the bar, it's the new bar, yeah
1: when you look at the contracts given to these really like the top of the end wide receivers this still looks pretty reasonable and I think their next goal is to wrap up Darren Waller which just means that they'll have Carr, Adams, Renfro and Waller all under contract that's kind of the core offense yeah. and given that they've been kind of bargain shopping on the offensive line after a big overhaul last offseason then I suppose in their perspective there's money to give to these talent guys and make sure that you have some like a team that potentially could be a challenger in the AFC West.
0: Yeah potentially but uh- but won't be. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, Crime and punishment, what are they doing? Probably felonies. Deshaun Watson has more cases covered in the New York Times Is the 24th complainant has just filed civil suit against Watson as well uh, the New York Times reported that Watson has 66 women given massages over 17 months with multiple additional women now coming out accusing Watson of misconduct and talking about their treatment with them and essentially kind of a lot of their testimony kind of kills this argument that he was having of oh I was just looking for legitimate massages because that was just universally not the case uh, a Texan organization they've been added a defendant to the case because apparently they have taken steps to try and facilitate this and help it, including, if I remember correctly, literally writing up NDAs for him to give to to, to, to these masseuses and stuff like that.
1: Which which Watson in communications, which have been made available, said, oh, look, it's very professional. I have an NDA for you to sign, (laughs) which is like... Hello, uh, I
0: definitely (laughs) just want a massage. Please sign this legal document and come to my room. Don't ask (laughs) why you are the 45th woman I've had to do this with in the last two months.
1: And the, the lawyer for Watson had, like, a, doing various statements, because America's legal system is, is insane, but basically was on a radio show talking about how, oh, it's not a crime to have a happy ending to your massage. Yeah. And it's kind of like, basically, the level of defense now is just, oh, yeah, he's a creep, but he's not a criminal creep. He was just, like, you just know, trying to creep. get their attention. And the 24th uh, complainant, and, uh, and the New York Times report talks about it in detail, effectively, like, she, her, 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 her uh, complaint says that he basically masturbated on her. He masturbated mm. and got the, some of the, the seminal fluid onto to her, and he's just, like, at best now based on all of the evidence that was laid out very well by the New York Times, which, to be fair, was already publicly available, but this obviously just kind of put a huge spotlight on it again. Yeah. And obviously also she talked about how the Texans were involved in getting these NDAs and having uh, basically paying for them to go to certain hotels, which I assume they might have had a prior relationship with. It just kind of showed in detail that there's no, case, or no world in which Deshaun Watson is not, at the very least, a creep. It's just now, I suppose, a matter of whether it reaches the, the civil damages level. And, of course, I would not still be surprised, given the change in the perspective of, of the lawyers, that a settlement could... like I would probably say a settlement is a non-trivial chance of this happening and Watson just pays a bunch of money goes away. I think one thing to note here from a legal point of view is that because additional complainants are now coming forward, that's 24th person in particular, um, there is a now an out, I suppose, for Cleveland where they could get out of the guaranteed money in the contract. But of course, they probably wouldn't get the picks back, so they'd kind of be fucked either way. Um, <laughs> that would so, be the most
0: Cleveland thing, to lose the picks and then lose the player.
1: <laughs> that, that came up because the 24th, because these, these revelations are coming out after they obviously did whatever Watson signed to... to absolve the Cleveland brands from from future fuck-ups. Like, that could come up. But for now... Like, I think that just makes it more likely that settlements happen, especially because now that the Texans themselves are an active defendant, both they and the NFL are probably more keen to not get, you know, teams involved in a bunch of legal problems. So I imagine the pressure is probably on Watson to make this go away if he can, legally speaking. Obviously, the, it doesn't take away morally how awful this is, but it, this will probably run on for a little, uh, for a longer time to come, especially if new people keep being out of this case, because the New York Times specifically said there are women who they interviewed who had misconduct occur but aren't part of the case right now for whatever reason you know for personal reasons or perhaps you NDA type stuff unfortunately this is unlikely to be a continued feature of discussion in the NFL for no. a while to come
0: In Rich People Problems the LA Chargers owner Dean Spanos is being sued by the minority owner of the LAC trustee his sister Dee for what they're saying is breaching fiduciary duty she also accuses Dean and the Vice Chairman Michael Spanos of being sexist punishable and humiliating her essentially what we're talking about here is that she's claiming that they are leasing airplanes and putting essentially their own expenses through the trust and are kind of basically wasting money and effectively stealing money from the trust that's kind of jointly held between them rather than spending their own money on this stuff it's, it's an odd one and then on top of that then there's the, the whole kind of them belittling her and being sexist and i think you were saying one there's something to do with like they're quite a like traditionalist family or something and that they kind of, they're defending it on that grounds?
1: Well, they're not defending it in, in, obviously in public, but Mm. she's saying that, you know, they don't see, because she's a woman, she's not an equal partner in the, in the, in the the running the organisation. Like, and in the statement that he said to refute, everything he said, she said that, like, like they basically alluded to the fact that they don't think she wants to be an owner of the team maybe just wants to cash out or something uh, denying all of these claims of course but basically the, the, the basic idea between the fiduciary duty is that basically they have their own organizations which would they would lend money to the, the various organizations so they could get interest or basically have money for themselves that's basically coming from the from the trustee organization but basically not having to officially align that and her claim is that the, the trustee is going to run out of money because they have been so bad at business effectively and then basically as she has called them out on this They've chosen to humiliate her and basically disparage her in terms of the community, in terms of the Orthodox uh, community that they're part of and other communities that they're part of and just generally being dicks to her. But of course, this is rich people problem. So I imagine this will only be the first of many back and forth lawsuits and we'll see what actually yeah. comes out of it.
0: Controversy corner, Jack Del Rio has been fined $100,000 by the Washington organization after publicly stating that the January 6th riots at the Capitol were a dust-up and comparing the lack of response to the Black Lives Matter protests and just generally being an arse. I, honestly, you can't think of a better suited coach for a team, could you? Like, the only problem is that he's not the head coach because he would be a perfect kind of organizational, vision-aligned coach for them. (laughs)
2: <laughs> I mean, how can you live in Washington and think it's OK to say these kinds of things, um, especially just as the capital rights are coming back in the news because the congressional investigation has got prime time TV slots coming up? I mean, I, in, in a way, it's it's. Progressive that, you know, Washington are willing to call this guy out for what he's saying. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, he's, he's you know, he's saying a lot of things that a lot of people probably believe as well. I mean, he's the, he's the voice of his generation, I guess. But America's political culture is, is so poisonous that, it, yeah, it's just... yeah. This is an opinion that people have, but it's a thing you shouldn't be saying out loud, especially if you work in Washington and are a high profile figure uh, as part of a controversial organization which has numerous problems with racism, et cetera, down through the years.
0: It, it does highlight a little bit to me that like Jack Del Rio and Ron Riviera, they really do seem like very different people to be operating in tandem.
2: Yeah, I mean, I don't know why Rivera is, is working at this organization. I mean, he's so out of place amongst the, the madness around him. Yeah, just give Jack Del Rey the head coaching job and, and give Ron something just give him a, a retirement Like to do for the rest of his
0: days sure, Look, we'll have a look at a few more bits of news from around the league pouring out boys Fitzmagic has retired after 17 seasons he was kind of always a perfect replacement starter level guy he played for 9 teams he had fantastic throws fantastic moments incredible beards watched the Bills shirtless in the stands in like freezing conditions just overall well liked dude be sad to see him go because he's always exciting Pro- probably one of the most famous kind of not quite a Full time starter level talent guys, right?
1: Yeah, and like, don't forget he started for all nine teams that he, he ended up on somehow, just due to people dropping out and stuff like that. And obviously, he's got a few contracts by showing up at the end of the season, looking really good, and then the next season, not perhaps being as quite good. Had a couple of chances to make the playoffs, but unfortunately, never quite got over the hump, so we never got to see the its magic on the the biggest stage of all unfortunately but like look he was a YOLO quarterback on the field he loved throwing it up to his guys and just seeing what would happen he was a YOLO quarterback off the field especially you know once he got later to his career and he'd show up with the you know showing off the chest hair and the sunglasses at Tampa Bay and kind of just being good crack like he's Amish and actually just a really good guy with a bunch of kids and a good family man but you know he played up to a fun personality good clean family fun for everyone and very much what we miss. Did you did
0: did you know uh, he went to Harvard? Oh yeah! I, forgot. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think any announcer ever let us forget that.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's the weird thing is, it's a lot, almost every single player from Harvard, whoever, ends up in the NFL has to get mentioned because it's such a rarity. But uh, yeah, I mean, Fitzmagic, magic. I mean, he will be remembered as as the personality more than the the skills. He was very inconsistent as an actual quarterback. As a result, he was never really trusted with the kind of the big teams. I mean, last season with Washington was probably his one shot of actually. His, his best shot of making a playoff team, but he got himself injured near the end. He began to realize that his the money the money for him, the cachet for him wasn't wasn't being the fun guy, and he really like leaned into it. And some of the press conferences were great fun, but yeah, definitely the NFL would be a, a less a less exciting, less enjoyable place without him. And hopefully, I mean, maybe someone picks him up as, as a as a broadcaster, a commentator, or something because I think he'd, he'd he'd be a lot better than Drew Brees or uh, mm. probably
0: Brady would be very much uh, we also have centre uh, Alex Mack has retired after 13 years 9 Pro Bowls from 196 games it was in Cleveland Atlanta and San Francisco and I believe they did a little bit of a cash swap around on his deal so he got a little a little going away money I think about half a million extra at the end yeah excellent player safety Carry Williams has also retired after 3 years to pursue his ministry Indianapolis are going to lose a, star- a starting strong safety who had started 33 games with him Robio Cornell is retired after 50 years of coaching uh, he's 5 Super Bowl wins in the system with the New York Giants and New England. Didn't really do too well as a head coach. He was in with Cleveland. He had a brief stint with Kansas City. He found more success, I think, as a defensive coordinator. And the other bit of news is, the Denver has gone sale agreed to uh, a Walter Pennon bid of $4.65 billion. It's led by the uh, heir to the Walmart fortune, Robert Walton, who has uh, $60 billion. Of worth, which does beg the question why he had to let someone else in and why did he just buy it for himself?
1: They're all related to him, so yeah, it's basically just a big Walmart, Walmart thing. And it's apparently like 60 billion is significantly above the net worth of the next highest NFL, yeah. NFL owner, which I think is like somewhere in like the 15, 10, 20 million, yeah, 20 billion uh, range. So is it he, Cronky? Is it
0: he's a big property yeah, developer?
1: He, I think he's also somehow. Related to the Walton kind of family as well. So it's all, yeah, like mm. this is a big deal. And this is a lot of money. Like this is... Yeah,
0: this is going to push up the valuation of other NFL teams, right? Because like...
1: Pretty much, yeah. It's obviously not everything's fully finalized here. But given who won the bid and there's not likely to be any financial issue, it's basically it's basically a done deal. I suppose just to talk about the retirements a little bit. Alex Mack, very, very good offensive lineman. Obviously great player. Just terribly unlucky. Played for Cleveland when Cleveland sucked, which is to be fair most of Cleveland's time. Played for Atlanta. Was obviously on the twenty eight and three Super Bowl team. Yeah, overall a very good servant for his teams, but just not never got the, mm. I suppose the the prize you get at the end. And Carrie Willis, obviously a bit of surprise at starting safety, retiring after only three seasons. Uh, but
0: Indianapolis have awful bad for having people retire early, right?
1: But in this case, it seems to be just he found a you know higher calling effectively. So I'm sure he will. This doesn't seem to be like that case of just protecting his body. It just seems like this is presumably what he always wanted to do and always valued more fair
0: dues to him but I'd say the old scouting department should have picked that up before they drafted him (laughs) fair enough sure look we'll move on to our preview of the AFC South so first up we have the Colts they've had a big Change around at quarterback. Gone in the gone in a time machine because their quarterback room is Matt Ryan and Nick Foles. They've also then added on the defensive side: Gus Bradley as their coordinator, uh, Stefan Gilmore, Yannick Ngakwe, Rodney McLeod, Nick Cross, Brandon fassason Curtis Brooks, and then the offensive side: Burhard Raymond, Alex Pierce, Jelani Woods, Brandon Kemp's, Philip Lindsay, Tyson Williams, and Dennis Kelly. They lost Carson Wentz. Although, is it a loss? Question mark. <laughs> on the defense, they obviously got rid of Matt Eberfluss They lost. Rocky Sin, Mohamed Al Qadim, Xavier Woods, Carrie Willis, Anderson Dejo, and Kimiko Tori. They also then lost on the offensive side. Mark Glowinski, Eric Fisher, Jack Doyle, Zach Pascal, Marlon Mack, Chris Reed, Julian Davenport, and Sam Tevy. This is a roster that seems fairly all right, Sean. Like it's not quite the heady heights of it being the best roster in the league from beforehand, but like they won some games last year. They've got balance. They've got a run game. Like Matt Ryan had nothing to work with in Atlanta, but might still just be a psychologically broken man from that Super Bowl game. Do you think Matty Ice can get back into form, given that they won't be putting too much pressure on him with the run game as it is?
2: Obviously, this is the theory of the Colts' head office, is that Carson Wentz was the problem last season. And and you can certainly see the logic behind that, that the kind of big games the big game they had a big divisional game against the Titans where he he blew it but with a couple of big mistakes at the end i mean he was he when the colts were losing it was Wentz who was the one making the errors and when the Colts were winning, it was Jonathan Taylor and, and, and Michael Bittman and such like, and and a very and a pretty strong, I mean a top ten defense and on probably on both sides of the ball that was kind of leading them forward. So so the Colts are obviously looking at this going, we can't trust Wentz anymore. Who's available? And obviously part of the carousel of the various quarterbacks, they ended up with Matt Ryan. Ryan, you know, a veteran in his day, very talented. He was very close to winning a Super Bowl, but that was five years ago now. As you say, he's kind of been on a downward <laughs> slide since then. Was it the Falcons? Was it him? I guess that we're going to find out here with Taylor as as the kind of the, the guy they're going to build the offense around. The pressure's off him a little bit. He just has to kind of do the the Ryan Tannehill thing of contributing just enough passing game to to allow the running star to do his things. Be interesting if Nick Foles gets to to come out there. Changes, I mean, the, the bringing of Gus Bradley into a system in which the defense was working quite well is it, going to be an interesting change. Obviously, Bradley was a big deal 10 years ago, but uh, you know, I, I don't necessarily think a lot, a lot of what's happened to his career since then. People like Yannick Ngakwe, Stefan Gilmore. these are names that look nice on paper, but are people who are probably quite past their peak so you'd wonder how much of an actual improvement if they're going to make a step forward and I mean that's the challenge of them right they're in a a theoretically quite a weak division the Texans and Jags are not strong teams the Titans are a team that can be beaten they're a team of win games but they're not they're a team that can probably be pulled in so the Colts are probably thinking about winning the division and you'd wonder if the steps they've made are actually going to push them above the Titans in terms of have they actually progressed forward other than say the the Ryan for Wentz thing is the question I mean the questions I would have I mean aside from Pittman do they really have passing game? Is Frank Reich the guy to, to lead them in terms of the, the head coaching things? Are they going to have to deal with, say, the potential, as I talk about a little while, the potential of the Jags might be good this year. The Titans are probably going to be, you know, at the same level they were. They're paired with the AFC West in terms of the matchups. So they're going to have four tough games in terms of that. So, I mean, I think it could be a tougher season for the Colts than people think. I think they maybe haven't necessarily made that step forward that they should do. And given they missed the playoffs last year, I mean, that's not a great situation to be in. As a team, they're kind of reliant on the easy wins against the, the Jags and the Texans. And if you, and they don't get them, they're going to be in trouble. I mean, this is partly a function of the way that the game's worked out. When you're when you're doing game-by-game game decisions, who beats who and your predictions, sometimes you end up in a team that's a little bit lower. I've only got them with six wins this season, which is probably, in reality, a little bit lower than where they expect. I think they'll probably be more likely around the eight or nine win barrier. Are they going to make the playoffs in this AFC? I question whether or not they're good enough to make that jump into the playoffs. I've got them winning the fucking division.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, just whenever you said like this is theoretically a weak division, I thought you were going to say this is theoretically a division. I'm not sure there's four NFL quality teams in this division.
1: (laughs) We're very excited about today's
0: preview, of course. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. Look, uh, what's it called? Every, every, every day is Christmas Eve. You never know what could be in the presents. Maybe it all works. I think I think Matt Ryan could work well here with the pressure off him. And I think between him and Foles, they'll be able to get a better level of quarterback play than they did last year. And honestly, it was just the quarterback play that was letting them down. There was a couple of defensive issues as well. But like, if they just had bog-standard quarterback play, I think they were probably good. To, to, to make the playoffs last year they've got a superstar yeah. running back they've got a piss simple in division kind of run at it yeah as we'll talk about some of this it's also impacted for me by the fact that I can see other teams like I, I, I'm I expecting the Titans who we'll talk about in a bit to come back down to earth this is their chance to be able to make a push into it but like it, it is it is a spot where I don't think any of the teams in this division are wildly separate from each other but I'd be a little bit more bullish on the Colts
1: maybe the more salient comparison isn't Carson Wentz because I think Matt Ryan and Carson Wentz are just in completely different places, but the the team that made the playoff with Philip Rivers, who was obviously well past his prime by the time he was playing for the Colts. And I think Matt Ryan, I think it's an upgrade over where Philip Rivers was when he got to the Colts. Yeah, I think the big thing for him though is that obviously at that point they had a really really good offensive line and many of those pieces are still there they still got Quinton Nelson they still got Ryan Kelly they got Braden Smith at right tackle those are all pro bowl or better type offensive linemen but you know they're going to put a rookie like Bernard Ryman at left tackle or a guy like Matt Pryor who hasn't proven himself the other guard spot they're putting guys like Danny Pinter or Will Bryce. these are guys who aren't test there so you might see someone like Eric Fisher perhaps be signed by this team and yeah. you might see someone like T.Y. Hilton signed by this team later on in the offseason to bulk up that wide receiver core which as Sean pointed out is very weak like they're relying on a rookie Pierce right now to kind of be their their second wide receiver after Pittman who has been pretty good but never shown more than that so on the offense I think it's all about if that offensive line can protect Matt Ryan because I think what we've seen over the last couple of years is that when Matt Ryan has protection and time he's still a really good reader of the game he's still got enough arm talent to be a good quarterback but if you get him off his spot then he just completely falls apart and it comes widely inaccurate and throws a lot of picks and stuff like that so if the offensive line is is where it could be given some of the talent involved. This could be a team who could certainly challenge to at least make the playoffs, and in a weak AFC South, could be a contender. And yeah, the defense. Like, I think with Gus Bradley coming in, it's a big shoes to fill with Matt Eberfus obviously getting a head coaching gig. But, you know, Stefan Gilmore, Yannick Galgway may be a little bit past their prime, but they'll be contributors. I think there's still a young core here that's worth building around. People like DeForest Buckner, Darius Leonard, Kenny Moore. So it, I think it'll still be a good defense. It's just a matter of whether, how much work they're going to be required to do to make the playoffs. So I've of going 9-8, and eight just missing out the playoffs because the AFC is so stacked. But I've struggled to see them being terrible, but... Being good enough to make the playoffs and being a contender relies on the defensive line living up to its reputation. Next
0: up we have the Titans. They have added in Robert Woods, Traylon Burks, Malik Willis, Kyle Phillips, and also Austin Hooper, Jamarco Jones, Nicole Frere uh, Chig Okawanko, Roger McCreary, AJ Moore, Theo Jackson and Demarcus Walker. They've lost AJ Brown in the trade, Julio Jones, Dante Foreman, Darian Evans, Marcus Johnson, Chester Rogers, they've also lost Roger Saffold, Anthony Ferkser, Michael Pruitt, David Quisselbury, Kerry Blazingame, Jalen Brown, Rashad Evans, Janoris Jenkins, Kyle Pecko and and Nick Zubner. Right. This is a team that runs entirely through King Henry and their running game and then, and I know I'm going to get a hate for this because people always jump in to fucking defend him. I don't think their quarterback is particularly good. I think he was exposed a bit last year by it. I think their wide receiver core has downgraded here. I don't think I don't think Robert Woods and Traylon Burks are going to be an improvement over A. J. Brown. Albeit look, Julio Jones was a nightmare and didn't actually provide anything for them last year. But like so we're relying on Derek Henry, who's now had three or four seasons of incredibly large usage. He got injured last year and we saw how they kind of fell apart whenever that happened. He's another year older. I know that he defies time but at some point he is slowing down. I don't think they have the supporting elements around to kind of build up the the run 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 pass play action game the same way because i don't think the skill positions are, are as good as they were i'm really not feeling it with this titans offense but to be honest as you'll know from listening to the show i've not felt the titans offense in previous years where they have done well but they've always been that kind of they do well until they hit a good team and then they can't beat a good team obviously Tannehill they've drafted a, a replacement or someone in the wings form with Malik Willis there but Willis I think was kind of generally seen as would need a little bit of, of development work so he's probably not being planned to be put in straight away it just feels like a team that decided alright we're going to just try and do essentially what we've done for the last two or three years not realising that that hadn't gotten them to the promised land and has been degrading and becoming less good every year and I, I, I can't expect Henry to keep up the, the, the kind of pace he was doing beforehand maybe maybe the idea is meant to be that their defense steps up and does a huge amount, but like, I'm not I don't really see it, to be honest. Okay, so we've got Bud Dupree is in there Landry, like Danico Autry Jeffrey like I I don't see any huge difference makers like there's some there's some decent kind of well, linebacking I core think... pieces there's a couple of good pieces here and there Kevin Byard is good and stuff like that but like it's not a difference making offense if you've if you've got what I'm expecting to see here in a relatively anemic passing game an over reliance on the run that's going to be a little bit more sloggy than it was beforehand because they've been trying to do it for three or four years now do they have a big turnover based defense it's going to be you know are are they going to be able to keep opponents to like you know 14 points because I don't see this offense scoring more than like 18 to 21. In a game they, they
1: could perhaps keep some of their AFC side compatriots to 20 points yes well um, no, this is the thing
0: These, all, all, <laughs> everything in this preview is caveated with they have six games against each other so like that that's that there but like I just I just think it's getting stale and I think it was stale two years ago and I think it's gonna be worse off and I don't really know how they're planning a transition to Malik Willis because they are quite quite a, quite a different style of, of quarterback as well so you can't really prep two game plans
1: I broadly agree with most of what you're saying, though I will give some respect to some of their defensive stars. Like Jeffrey Simmons really came on last year and he had that big performance in the playoffs, albeit one that Tannehill threw away. (laughs) And obviously that to some of the issues people have with with, with Tannehill. And I would say that Harold Landry's been really solid for them. He's just a pure pass rusher. And yeah, as you said, Keith Byard is quite good. There are questions, I think, in the, the linebacker core and and maybe at cornerback. They're obviously bringing Roger McCurry as a rookie and expecting him to start. So there are definitely questions on the defense. But I think the defense, I think, Given what we saw, has finally reached a level where I'm I'm happy enough to say that it'll probably be like a at least not it'll at least be above average. Basically, is what I would say. Now, whether it can be a dominant t- uh, unit that can be uh, the baseline for a successful team and kind of go for that number one seed again, I, like I think it was it was surprising to see them as the number one seed last year, and I don't think anyone's really expecting them to be able to repeat that this year for for obvious reasons. Like losing AJ Brown is huge, and expecting Traylon Burks to come in and be the replacement just doesn't seem realistic. Like Traylon Burks was a guy at the college level that had to have a lot of his touches manufactured and you know yes he could be the new AJ Brown but he could also just as easily be the new Tavon Austin just a guy that isn't a good wide receiver, it's just a weapon, but it never can succeed at the NFL level where things like route running and actually you know, having an understanding of the game become much more important. And Robert Woods, I think actually, if I was more going who I think will have a good season, I think Robert Woods is much more likely to be a maybe in a thousand yards or so season with Ryan and Tannehill at the wheel. I don't think he's going to be spectacular. He's not going to be AJ Brown, but I think he'll be solid and do the same kind of job he did for the Rams over the last couple of years. And then really for the offense, for me it comes down to like if they can get the run game going, of course, that takes the pressure of Tannehill and we see what it is. But obviously, if the run game starts breaking down, if Derrick Henry starts breaking down or gets injured again, or the offensive line, which is a pretty good run unit, but not perhaps good at pass uh, blocking, if that run game, for whatever reason, is slowed down, I think you're probably more likely to see the Ryan Tannehill we lost last season, who was a major step down, a major disappointment compared to what he looked like when he was able to rely on the pa- on the play action and stuff like that when Derrick Henry was at his pump. Um, so yeah, I think you're correct. Like Derrick Henry you're kind of going, at some point, this doesn't make sense in the NFL. Running backs just stop working very quickly and it happens very badly. And I know Derrick Henry is a different type of dude who obviously has a more physical, punishing nature to him, but even... great like him in the modern NFL the wear and tear may easily start to tell even if he just takes a step back because the offense is so reliant on him it's a huge problem because I said the offensive line is really just set up to make Derrick Henry succeed if they're asked to protect Ryan Tannehill and turn him into a good quarterback we saw last year it doesn't work and they'll be kind of uninspiring but you know they've got enough talent here to certainly be in the in the call for the playoffs certainly in a division like this but I think last year was probably their best chance to take Ryan Tannehill into a Super Bowl-type scenario, and I don't think it's going to get any better from here. And I think, as you're right, it's going to go downhill, but maybe not fully downhill this season. Yeah,
2: I, I broadly agree with everything you're saying. Obviously, the Derrick Henry thing, every year you get out of Henry is one less year you're, you should expect to get out, out of him. And I don't know how many running backs actually have four or five years at the top anymore. It, it's far less than we might think. Then you're relying on Tannehill, and you know they've shown that they... Tannehill's not the guy to be relied upon I love Robert Woods I, th- I think he's, he's a great acquisition but obviously there are questions over the Traylon Burks coming in as a rookie the defense I mean I think the defense is a little bit better than people think it's kind of sneaky good especially on the, the rushing side of the ball obviously their passing defense isn't quite up to scratch they did have a couple of big games last year where their defense just kind of stepped up and won a game for them problem with this Titans team which has kind of been the problem for this Titans team for the past three or four years is when they meet really good teams especially in the playoffs They just don't get the big wins where they need to. There'll always be a team who chugs away and, you know ends up with nine or ten wins and wins a division or gets a wild card, or last season they, they somehow managed to get their way all the way to the number one seed. but have the faith that they are one of those superstar teams that are going to go all the way. And I don't think the additions have really changed that scenario, nor necessarily have the have the, have the loss of Brown or, or whoever necessarily changed the, the configuration that much. If Henry is healthy and same level, they're, they're going to be tough to stop. But without other options offensively, without a defense that, you know, steps up a little bit more on a more consistent basis than they've done before, then you can't really see them being much better than they were last last few seasons either. Yeah. We don't have a
0: wide range here of outcomes. Me and Sean have not going nine wins. Fitz isn't going ten wins, I think. The only difference is you both have them winning the division at that and I have them missing the playoffs at that because I have the Colts winning the division instead. We're all kind of in the same ballpark and we're all kind of saying, look, we're not expecting it to be a 13-win team that comes out of this division. On to the Texans. Ronan, I'll, have, I'll come to you on these guys. I'll, do, I'll just do some of the ins and outs. They added Derek Stingley. Steven Nelson, Jalen Petrie, MJ Stewart, Rasheen Green, Mario Addison, Jerry Hughes, Christian Harris, Blake Cashman, Jalen rees Obonia. Okoronkwo okay, Kyle Allen Kenyon Green John Mitchie Deshaun Hamilton Andy Janovich uh, Damian Pierce, Marlon Mack and Dyer Ungabwale. they lost Deshaun Watson again much of a loss Tyrod Taylor so they've kind of turned over that room a bit they also lost David Johnson Jordan Atkins Damian Mandola Marcus Cannon Jerry and Christian Justin Reed Jacob Martin Terrence Mitchell Lonnie Johnson AJ Moore Vincent Taylor Jaylene Johnson and Eric Wilson you kind of forget just how many like old lads were just playing for this team by the end of last season. Jesus. Yeah, they 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 had the huge turnover throughout the year. They've got they've got a new coach in place. Newish. And a newish coach in place. They have a quarterback room? Hey. Question mark. <laughs> yeah. They, they 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 have they have some they have some new pieces in the secondary. That's something at least.
1: This is a team that last year did a full teardown and was changing everything and now it's year two and they're still tearing everything down and putting in lots of new pieces and seeing what sticks so uh, I think overall like not to give spoilers but I don't think any of us are expecting them to become a great team this year but I think obviously the big intriguing question about them is the surprise relative success of the the Davis-Mills experience at quarterback obviously coming in as a rookie and probably being the second best rookie after Mac Jones showing some things that people liked and not just his incredibly long neck but actual good football play towards the back end of the season as well obviously with a roster which is generally considered to be you know bottom 10. They have Laramie Tunsell And Titus Howard, a tackle, they're both fine. But other than that, it was pretty much Brandon Cooks and, you know, the leftovers of David Johnson and people like that. And obviously a lot of those guys have been got rid of since then. And so on the offense... They've added a lot of new weapons. They obviously bring in Kenyon Green to boost up the interior of the offensive line, but they're going to rely on guys like Justin Britt perhaps to still have something left in the tank at centre. But in terms of the skill positions, Brandon Cooks is still the number one only reliable weapon that they have. But they bring in Damien Pierce as a rookie. They bring in Marlon Mack as a veteran. Maybe they can add some more juice to that run game after David Johnson kind of just being there for a while and then Rex Burkhead showing up occasionally. And then at wide receiver, they get John Mechie in the draft as well. Fairly well-received receiver for Alabama. Perhaps not the most dynamic player, but a good second, third option. And they'll probably hope that guys like Nico Collins or Chris Conley can fill in the gaps. I think probably, hopefully more Nico Collins. And then, you know, they bring in Andy Janovich, a very effective fullback. So I expect that they'll try to run the ball more if they can and kind of take a little bit of pressure off Davis Mills and be a more well-rounded offense uh, that's the hope I suppose and on the defense it's just basically chaos I think like the secondary was admittedly absolutely awful for them last season so bringing in Derek Stingley a very highly rated cornerback at the top of the draft bringing in Steven Nelson a well-regarded veteran bringing in Jalen Petra to play safety they could all be contributors to this secondary and getting it back on track but I think you know, they did find some guys who have contributors already on the defensive line and linebacker like guys like Kevin Pierre-Lewis and Cameron hill and Christian Kirksey looked. over. Okay. Okay last season and you know, I think in terms of the uh, in terms of the pass rush they've basically just gone look okay, we had Rasheem Green, we had John and Greener, they were both solid a combination of veterans and some younger players, like Thomas Booker as younger players, and the really old veterans like Mary Addison and Jerry Hughes, who used to play for Buffalo, and just see what kinda happened. Like I suppose Lovey Lovey Smith was the defensive coordinator right last season, so they brought him in to be the head coach now. I suppose the big question is, is he going to get a fair whack at this, or is he just being set up to be David Cully Part 2, where he shows up for a year, does badly as they're continuing their complete overhaul, until they hire a white guy, they give him like a five-year contract. Uh, like, <laughs> I don't want to be cynical, but, you know, this, this organization is quite dysfunctional. Obviously, the whole Jack Easterby thing has not gone away, the owner's still a bit incompetent. I think Nick Casario, the GM, who came from the Patriots, is the only one kind of holding it to be in a somewhat semi-competent organization, if they are that at all. They have. Lovey Smith, he's a veteran coach. He'll know what he's doing at least. He won't be out of his depth and he understands the personnel he has because he was with them last year. We'll see if he's given a fair shot. The offensive coordinator did well with David Mills. He's kind of seen as a good quarterback coach. So I think that's good that they kept him on board as well. But like, look, this team is just, it's chaotic. It's a lot of changes. They're just trying a lot of shit and seeing what sticks. So for me... I'm not particularly high on them but because so many things are changing there's always a chance that they've managed to create something here that works and davis mills takes that next step up and the whole thing comes together and they they turn into a a relevant team because the division is so weak i'm not seeing it overall right now but you know maybe a team to keep an eye on in the future so i've been going like five and twelve i think you guys have been going like two wins three wins so don't think anyone's particularly optimistic about them but you know there's enough new pieces and youth. That They have a little bit of upside at least, which is more than you could say for what they had last
0: season. I had to look up who the backup quarterbacks were. So it's David Mills, Kyle Allen, Jeff Driscoll and Kevin Hogan on Wow. That That's, is If you combine
2: those quarterbacks, you might get one talented quarterback mm-hmm. out of them. No, this is a, a dumpster fire of an organization which last season had the statistically the worst offense in the NFL and statistically the second worst defense and they, aside from the secondary, really haven't improved much. They really do seem to be putting betting the house on Davis Mills turning out to be good, which is interesting since I, I don't know if his ceiling is anything above be above average at the very best. I mean you can't see him being a superstar.
0: But but Sean, um, Sean they're supporting him with an exceptional running game of Marlon Mack and Rex Burkhead.
2: <laughs> well that Brandon Cooks, I suppose. That's one that's one decent receiver. It's yeah, it's just I yeah, it's it's it. You can be kind and say it's a transition season, but this I think is just what the Texans are now, uh, without it without a transcendental like talent like Deshaun Watson for for all his flaws he was when he was at the peak of Texans time the guy was driving them forward without something like that this team is very very mediocre and will be for a very long time until there's massive changes both off the field and on the field this organisation is nowhere and even in a weak division they're going to struggle to win games Um, I can't see them winning more than three I actually think that's maybe a bit generous there's every possibility this team goes 0-17 just like there was every possibility last season that they would as well
0: yeah I've got them going 2-15 I had the I had that kind of awkward moment of like, because my, my problem when I do this, uh, it's why Fitz fairly consistently beats me on our predictions at this point. <laughs> it like, I just go, our oh, team is shit, and I'm just gonna have to win two games. Whereas everyone does kind of crowd a little bit more up into like the four or five win territory. No, I'm I'm pretty happy with the two wins on this one because honestly, just don't just don't have a clue what the route to success for this team is. It's what the quarterback turns out to actually be brilliant. The fourth round rookie running back emerges as the the engine of the run game and that then they just have a lockdown secondary so no one can do anything against them. Like, is, is, is that the plan? Is that, is that, is that the target? Because I am, I, I am genuinely struggling to see how they spent this offseason not even getting a new backup quarterback to come in here. And like, I, I'm just, yeah, I just struggle to see the big plan for this team.
1: To be fair, there weren't many real good QB options out there and so giving your guy who looked okay in year one a chance to be the starter and not creating a quarterback controversy unless you have someone who's a definite upgrade I think like, like look like they they, got rid of Watson why, they have all these first round why, picks why, to come
0: why didn't they do some offset like cap stuff and just take Baker as part of the
1: Sean Watson trade like but it's Baker like, like you get Baker get Davis Mills like is Baker that much better than Davis yes. Mills?
0: We don't, yes, we he don't is. He definitely are, is. Okay. He 100% is.
1: He's also more of a problem perhaps in the locker room. Like He's obviously had attitude problems and things. Like This just feels like I'm, a team that... I'm,
0: honestly, looking at this roster, I'm not sure morale is going to be high in the locker room <laughs> to start with.
1: I'm not hopeful for them, but I'm more hopeful than I was last season, basically. And they managed to get a few wins last season, so I wouldn't mm-hmm. be surprised if they looked a little bit better or at least with something to take away from the season to bring forward. Whether Davis Mills is part of that, we'll see, but there's enough yeah. here they're trying enough shit here that something's got to work what I have them the taking
0: the a wave to build for next season is the first overall pick in the following draft <laughs> um, <laughs> Maybe they won't have that because we're going to move on to the Jaguars, who have had that twice in a row now. And I am looking at my Jags numbers and thinking I was maybe too harsh on these guys. I do think they might do a little bit better than my prediction. I'll come to you on the Jags, Sean. I'll just do the ins and outs. So they bring in Super Bowl winning head coach Doug Pedersen. Mike Caldwell is going to be his defensive coordinator. They add Trayvon Walker, Devin Lloyd, Foyseid... Olucan, Darius Williams Foley, Fatou Cassie Arden Key Travis Etienne is obviously back from injury they add in Christian Zay Jones Evan Ingram Brandon Sheriff and Luke Fortner on the defensive side they've lost Miles Jack uh, Taven Bryant Gian Ward Nevin Lawson Damien Wilson uh, for skilled positions they lost DJ Chark uh, Dario Gambole Carlos Hyde Jacob Hollister James O'Shaughnessy and from the offensive line AJ Bacan, Andrew Norwell and Brandon Linter it's got to be better than last year right like just given they don't have Urban Meyer anymore.
2: The reason I, I kind of asked for this as preview, I think these, in a very, very mad division, these guys are really interesting to see what's going to happen because this is, you know, you're getting away from from the Urban Meyer fiasco into something else, and that something else, there's there's potential. There's definitely something that could parts of this that could work alternative there's parts of it that could fall to pieces i mean the big the big things coming here a new head coach a guy who's won a super bowl admittedly he hasn't done anything except win a super bowl but he's certainly experienced and he's certainly not urban meyer and he's not going to destroy this organization's uh, morale from from the inside out he's not going to go humiliating kickers just for the the fun of it they've got this supposedly generational talent trevor lawrence who had a very you know meh first year I, I mean I've criticized him I, I have said at previous podcasts I don't know if this guy's got what it takes especially on the mental side this is the first time he's ever been on a losing team and you don't know what that's going to do with a guy who's had successful has been a winner all his life um, no but Davis I want Mills. to give <laughs> But I want to give him the benefit of the doubt. I think if Lawrence can make a step up from year one to year two that someone like, say, Peyton Manning did, or, or that the, the steps up and like people like Josh Allen have made, like there's there's reasons to believe that you shouldn't judge quarterbacks by their first year. There's recent experience to say that, and I'm willing to, to back that. So if Lawrence suddenly steps up, then suddenly things get very interesting. Now, they put a lot of faith into Christian Kirk. They seem to believe he is the messiah of their receiving game. It's going to be very interesting to see if that works. There'll be a lot of pressure on him in terms of that. But they do have some interesting pieces to people like James Robinson uh, as, as running back um, are capable of contributing uh, quite a bit. This defense had its moments last year. We remember the game against the Bills where they just, they just crushed um, one of the best teams uh, in the conference to, to win 9-6. They obviously have the first overall pick in Trayvon Walker. There's That's a little bit of a risk in terms of not taking Aiden Hutchinson, but he could be. They obviously see something in him. He could be a star. The loss of Mal Jacks hurt, but you wonder if there's a transition happening at the defensive side with the new DC as well, that, that they're trying to build something new and exciting. So I can certainly see the upside. I can see that this falls into place, that the pieces are a little bit better, that Pedersen is a much better head coach than, than Myers, that Trevor Lawrence makes that second year step up, that someone like Christian Kirk takes responsibility of being a wide receiver one in, in a growing organization. Zay Jones has his moments, Evan Ingram. These are guys that, that could potentially be interesting pieces of, of a very useful offense on the defense I think that they're, you know, that there's individual improvements in terms of the, rook, the, the rookie coming in and such like the AFC South is, as I said is not the strongest division in the world if they get going and say the Colts don't get going and the Titans maybe don't get going I mean I don't think they're going to win the division but I have them getting a bit close and the rest of you do I, I see them winning eight games which is uh, ambitious and optimistic but certainly if the pieces fall in place I can see it happening alternatively I mean both of you guys have gone for four wins, I can see that happening. The good parts of Doug Peterson, the improvement of Lawrence, the continued improvement on the defensive side, the general, we are no longer in the Urban Myers fiasco thing. I mean, we forget, for example, that Peterson was the guy who managed to, or at least was there when young Carson Wentz had some of his best seasons. So there's reasons to believe that this team could be a lot better. There's certainly the team to watch in this division. They're the team that I'm most interested in seeing what happens. The first two or three, four weeks, it's going to be interesting to see if this team gels and if it, or if it doesn't, because they are the Jaguars they are an organisation that has a number of flaws. they have a historically terrible team. They are a team that has always been much worse than they, they ought to be, even just by pure statistical chance. So it could all go quite badly. I can't see them being so bad that they'll need the number one pick again next year. They're probably not going to make the playoffs, but I think they'll be somewhere in between those two things.
1: There are things I want to like about this team. The offence in particular, I just look at the offense and I just get very uninspired by it and obviously we're kind of just expecting here that Doug Pedersen can show up and just turn Trevor Lawrence into a franchise quarterback we'll see on that obviously Trevor Lawrence number one overall pick loved by all expect to be the new Peyton Manning Andrew Luck whatever but I, we need to see it first right like the, the best quarterbacks still you know create plays even if you have lots of turnovers, they still create plays and quite frankly, he didn't really create plays for this Jaguars team for the vast majority of the year. He looked lost out there. And, like, look, Urban Meyer is a terrible, terrible person and a terrible, terrible head coach. But even given all that, you still have to be a little bit suspicious that maybe this guy isn't quite as good as he expected to be. And while, yes, like, bringing Christian Kirk is nice and Zay Jones, like, that's still not really guys that you expect to win one-on-one. So you're really relying there again on Pedersen being able to scheme these guys open. Like, Marvin Jones is probably the guy I would have the most faith in, at least being solid no matter what happens but like you're looking at the x factors on this the skill positions and you're kind of going there's no one really here like james robinson's a solid running back maybe a poor man's frank gore but like evan engram like i'm sick of seeing evan engram and his fucking drops um, and these wide receivers just aren't good enough like if visco gonna make a step up i don't think I see that happening so the only guy i could see maybe being an x factor is someone like travis etienne coming off injury if he can be like a really good like running back especially in the past game that could add a little bit of like safety blanket uh, for trevor lawrence and maybe make that step up, but I'm just not loving it. The offensive line, I think it should be at least a little bit better. Hopefully Brandon Shriff, um has it completely busted and Luke Fortner as a rookie maybe could contribute. So I think at least the offensive line is solid and these guys aren't terrible. They can be an okay Offense, but I'm just not seeing enough in terms of talent that these skill positions that they would believe that they're going to be a fun offense to watch. I think, yeah, best they might be functional, and maybe that's enough to get like you know up to the eight wins graph. But I, I generally, the NFL is an offense first league, and this is not an offense that makes me go wow. So, unless Doug Pedersen and Trevor Lawrence get the magic going, I'm just suspicious. On the defense, though, I'm actually a little bit more optimistic at the defense, like this idea of putting Trayvon Walker and Josh Allen, these, these really big, athletic dudes, as a as like a, as, as outside line. Backers, like it would, you know, with, with like just looking to kill the quarterback and also being very effective in the run just due to the. Your physicalness of them I think that's an interesting combination and I think they're solid enough at linebacker and obviously bringing Devin Lloyd as a first round rookie uh, and defensive uh, line defensive tackle they should be okay I think the, the, the defensive backs I, I, like Shaq Griffin obviously played for the Seahawks for a while was a bit of a disappointment for Jaguars with a big contract Darius Williams has now been brought in we'll see if he can make a contribution and Tyson Campbell is a highly drafted uh, player that they, they, they're kind of seeing what they can do it. but like look obviously the best thing for Doug Pedersen and Trevor Lawrence is that the expectations are so goddamn low that all they need to do is be functional on the offence and in terms of the record and people will give them a pass this year so mm-hmm. you know overall I'm just not seeing enough to here to get excited about them Having would going 4-13 and get the number one overall pick again but as long as they're not a disaster and you know Doug Pedersen isn't planning to go to any like you know bars after games and getting danced on it, it really can't go wrong per se but I'm not really seeing it going right
0: yeah I've got them Going four wins as well. I don't think it's enough for the number one overall pick. In fact, I believe Texans are getting that on my on my estimations. But yeah, I get what you mean in this offense. It seems very much the kind of like just throw a load of shit at a wall and hope that some of it sticks. I was looking through it and I just kind of got a feel of you know that person who like drafts a fantasy team, has two bad weeks and then just tries to trade everyone and then just has a really weird looking team afterwards? Like it feels a little bit like that. But I suppose look, it's not a destination people are crying out to go to it'll take them a while to build something back up like like i said i've i've got them winning four games i could easily see them getting to six wins to be honest like i said we're expecting better things in the future we're expecting to see growth so there is there's hopefully light at the end of the tunnel for jaguars fans at this point but who knows it could it could all need to be scrapped and gone back back to bricks again after uh if the if this was particularly badly for them well that'll wrap up the afc south i suppose uh, any plans it yourselves for the weekend no I don't think so
2: soccer season is basically over now but the weather is good so maybe there's uh, outdoor things but
0: uh, yeah very good for yourself not
1: another couple of times in cabin and uh, I might see yourself in Dublin uh, on one of the backward journeys uh, yeah. so but overall uh, yeah hopefully maybe get outside a bit maybe even play football myself I don't know probably not <laughs> <laughs>
0: very good yeah no no like I said nothing too wild or crazy here but that'll wrap us up for this week so it's a uh, bye for myself bye for Monat bye for Sean this well, I think for has Very sensuous,